Welcome to episode 13 of Love, Words, and Poetry. We'll open with a sunrise poem published in the Rockford Review in autumn of 1997. By the time I wrote this poem, I had learned to see glimpses of the beauty of California. Tierra Bonita Road The early morning fog, knitted out by crickets, distances the honking rush of commuting geese. The swallows unravel it with short, sharp chips, and the sun, rolling up the mountainside, finds a space to rise. In the love letters I'll be sharing today, we wrote about our feelings about prayer and discovered that we had very different approaches to how we pray. In Wes's letter, he wrote, My darling Vicki, my feelings about prayer are very mixed. The first feeling that comes to mind is embarrassment, not ashamed, as much as having my privacy invaded. As you know, because of my background, prayer has always been a very private matter. It wasn't really discussed openly at home, except for bedtime prayers when we were young and saying grace. And at church, the emphasis was on formal prayer. I also feel very inadequate about prayer because my prayer life is limited to formal prayer and subject to so many distractions. I try to add private intentions when I pray the office, but trying to formulate them just in my mind ends up being so inadequate that often I seem to be reduced to merely thinking about someone or something. At the same time, as I think I have mentioned before, I feel guilty about not sharing my prayer life such as it is. It is like I have left you out of a part of my life, and after last weekend, I don't want ever to do that again. I also feel guilty about feeling embarrassed, if you can follow that, because I know I shouldn't be embarrassed about my faith. When praying, I often feel distracted. In formula prayer, it always seems so easy to let the words flow by without concentrating on them. That is why I am hopeful that praying together, the divine office can become more meaningful. I worry that with all my theology and ecclesiology, I am not getting as close to God as I should. But I always feel close to you, my love. I am all yours, Wes. In my letter, I wrote, Dearest Wes, I thought this would be an easy question, but I realized I never tried to pin down how I feel about prayer. When I pray spontaneously, just talking to God, I usually feel happy knowing that he is close. But sometimes I feel very anxious when I am worried or upset about things and asking him for help. Lately, I felt very empty and dull, whether I was praying the rosary or office or at mass, and I'm not really in contact with anyone, or as if I don't care. Then my rosary especially feels more like a tiresome obligation, and that makes me feel guilty. On our weekend, though, I often felt almost ecstatic, especially Sunday when I was thanking God for all the joys and graces he seemed to be pouring out on us 
and especially at Sunday Mass, when I really felt we were praying together. I felt very peaceful and at home, and since then I've felt that praying came more easily. I know that when I feel close and loving to you, as I have so much recently, prayers seem to flow out of me, and that makes me love you even more. All my love, Vicki. Those letters were just the beginning of years of sharing about our very different prayer lives and approaches to prayer. But each time that we shared on prayer, we seemed to grow closer, although it was a very private area for both of us. But by being willing to share in our letters, we actually grew to understand the other's prayer life and to be able to pray together much more lovingly. Since our letters were on prayer, I thought I would share a poem I wrote after I went on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land in 1973, actually during the Yom Kippur War. The word for today is Mount Tabor, which is located in Lower Galilee in Israel, about 11 miles west of the Sea of Galilee. It's shaped almost like half a sphere, suddenly rising from rather flat surroundings and reaching a height of 1,886 feet. At the top of the mountain are two Christian monasteries, one Greek Orthodox on the northeast side and one Roman Catholic on the southeast side. The Catholic Church at the top is easily visible from afar. The mountain is a monadnock, an isolated hill or small mountain, rising abruptly from gently sloping or level surrounding land, and is not volcanic. It is traditionally considered to be the place where the transfiguration of Jesus took place, as described in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They relate that Jesus had brought Peter, James, and his brother John onto a high mountain apart, and that Jesus became radiant there, although none of the accounts identifies the high mountain of the scene by name. The earliest identification of the Mount of Transfiguration as Tabor is by Origen in the 3rd century, and it was recounted by St. Cyril of Jerusalem and St. Jerome in the 4th century. Between 1919 and 1924, a Roman Catholic Church of the Franciscan Order, named Church of the Transfiguration, was built on the peak of Mount Tabor. It was built on the ruins of a Byzantine church from the 5th or 6th century and a Crusader church from the 12th century. In the upper part of the church, above the altar, is a mosaic which depicts the Transfiguration. On the Feast of the Transfiguration, celebrated on August 6th, which is my birthday, it is illuminated by sunbeams which are reflected by a glass plate on the floor of the church. When I visited the Holy Land, I hiked up Mount Tabor with a few of the pilgrims in my group. It's a rigorous climb, but the top is pleasant, a breeze blows consistently, and while it can be sunny, There are many trees for shade. It is easy to see why Peter said, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, 
I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. As the Gospels explain and I describe in my closing poem, they ultimately did have to come down. Mount Tabor We thought it was another whim. It was dusty and steep, winding toward the mountain's brow. Peter grumbled at the pace, knocking rocks out of place when his footing was awry. John kept up easily, fleet-footed as a deer, but he seemed distant and alone, taking no notice of the height. We couldn't breathe. The summit shone. The sun was insignificant in the sky. He was light, blazing beneath the cloud. Peter blustered, let's stay. But the voice had us follow him back to the mystery of ordinary days. This poem was published in River Run in the summer of 1998. And I hope that your ordinary days will be beautiful and special even while you go about your daily work.